The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from The Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, your go-to source for all things movies, and I'm your host, Movie Mike, and today we are talking about the strongest trilogies of all time. I actually went through and broke these down by the numbers and what you said online with your responses to what you think are the best trilogies, so I have the ultimate top five, and speaking about trilogies, I will review the new Conjuring movie, The Devil Made Me Do It, which is in theaters and on HBO Max, let you know where that ranks in the trilogies, and then we have some movie news of a new action comedy movie i'm really excited about and since the last episode aired i did get married so i'll bring on my wife kelsey and talk about that glad you're here glad you're subscribed thanks for listening to the podcast without any further ado let's get started in a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast a man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. Alright, I'm pretty fired up to talk about this topic because I love a good trilogy. Why do I love trilogies? Because I think once a film series has three movies, that really, to me, solidifies them as a franchise. I think anybody can get a sequel. There's nothing really special about a sequel, but once you get that third movie, that really means that the first two have been so successful, people want more of these characters, want more of the story, and it really just sets you apart. And if you do it well, it cements your place in movie history. A great trilogy can go a really long way. So if you want to really just define what a trilogy is, it's basically a work of art split into three. It can either be where all three parts of the story lead to one bigger story or each one can kind of be representative of their own kind of standalone movie. So in a trilogy, you're dealing with the same character, sometimes the same setting. And in most cases, you have to watch each part to kind of understand the entire series. And then sometimes you can just hop into two, go back to one, move around to three, depending on what kind of movie franchise it is. I think sometimes where it gets confusing is when you start defining maybe trilogies and sequels because there can be a third part of a movie and that's still a sequel. But in order to be called a trilogy, there has to be only three. It can't be four, there can't be five. 
there is one kind of definition, which I'll get to my list later, of why a certain series works as a trilogy, even though there are multiple movies within this whole saga. I'll leave it there for now. And how I came up with this list is I asked you on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for what you thought is just the strongest movie franchise of all time. Because I think probably in a lot of franchises, there's always that weak link. And it's usually the third one. Like just looking at movies, it's usually the last one where they try something different. They change up the whole formula. And the third one is just by history, usually the weakest. So I ranked them all by what the critics said about them, by what the best movie in the franchise is, and then also I gave them each an entertainment score. So overall, looking back on these movies, which ones are the most entertaining to go back and watch, and which ones just kind of have stood the test of time. Also have tons of honorable mentions to get to. I just love movie trilogies, so let's get right into this list. At number five, I'm a big superhero fan, you know from listening to this podcast, and I had to pick what I thought was overall the greatest collection of a trilogy of superhero movies. And I think without a doubt, it is Iron Man. Iron Man basically single-handedly not created the whole Marvel Universe, the MCU, but it really put them on the map of the first Iron Man was so entertaining and so different that it really set the stage for all the other Marvel movies. And throughout all of the Avengers movies and the Captain America movies, really Iron Man was the reason that a lot of people went back to these Marvel movies. You wanted to see Iron Man, you wanted to see his story, you wanted to see him on the screen, and Robert Downey Jr. really kind of became the focal point of all the Avengers movies and all the Marvel movies. And I think when you break down the Iron Man movies as a trilogy, it's really the strongest. The first one is probably one of the best comic book movies of all time. The second one is... Not better than the original, but I would say just as good, maybe a little bit under. And then the third one, it kind of depends on who you ask, whether you really were a fan of Iron Man 3 or not. But even if you weren't, that was a really big moment in all of Marvel. Once that final Iron Man came out, that was a really big deal. And just looking at the critic scores from the first to third, you have a 94% on Iron Man 1, 72% on 2, and a 79% on Iron Man 3. And I would give overall the Iron Man franchise an entertainment score of about a 4.25. And that's because I think a lot of the time it's hard to go back and rewatch some of your favorite superhero movies because you kind of know how they're going to end. I feel like superhero movies are basically roller coasters. You really enjoy that first time you watch them. And it's fun to go back every now and then, but you don't really feel that same level of excitement. So I think that's a pretty high score for a comic book Marvel movie. And overall, I think the best Iron Man movie, without a doubt, is part one. Moving on with number four, I think this is where we have to put Back to the Future. What I love about Back to the Future is I think it's the ultimate definition of a movie. It really has a little bit of everything. It has sci-fi. It has adventure. It has romance. It has comedy. When I think of a movie, if I were going to put a textbook definition in a dictionary, I would probably put Back to the Future. If there was one movie I had to give somebody who has never seen a movie before, I was like, hey, I've never, I haven't watched a movie. What movie should I watch? I think it's Back to the Future. You get all the elements of what makes a movie great inside of this movie. And also for a movie that came out in the 80s, it holds up pretty well. I watched it on Netflix a few weeks ago and remastered. It looks pretty good. Now, is it as creepy now than it was then that he tries to kind of hook up with his mom or his mom's trying to hook up with him? Yeah, it's a little more creepy watching that in 2021, but I still think overall Back to the Future holds up. 
even with the technology that was placed with all the time travel and all the special effects in that, I think it actually still looks pretty good now. And the first one is without a doubt an adventure. It's a great ride. And I think adults and kids would probably like this movie now, even though it's been out for over 30 years. Now, looking at the critic scores on the Back to the Future movies, part one has a 96%. Part two drops down a lot, going down to 66%. And then they came back with number three having an 80% score. And I think that's mainly because part two kind of felt like a tagged on version to part one. Like sometimes I watch that one and I get kind of mixed in between my brain cells of what is uh, going on in part two that didn't happen in part one. Like they're a little bit similar. And I think it's mainly because they were writing off the success of the first one while making the second one. So I don't think that one's completely different from part one. Probably why maybe it has a little bit less of a score. And then coming into part three goes completely different. I don't know why part three is a movie's always we're like hey let's go to the old west like no one no one has done that yet we haven't really taken this somewhere let's go to the old west that always seemed like the kind of treatment for part three they also did it in the ninja turtles franchise sort of part three is always just a little bit off but i think in this case it kind of worked i like part three i think overall still the best movie in this franchise is part one which is a really hard thing to follow up on whenever you have a hit and you end up making three of a movie that first one is usually going to be the best one. I think later on this list we'll have something different, but it's just because it's so beloved and does so well, you can make a two and three. I think overall the Back to the Future franchise has an entertainment score of about a four, which is pretty solid, but I think mainly that comes from part one. Like I really, when I look back on the Back to the Future movies, I want to go back and watch part one. I want to experience that all again. I want to hear the classic lines, the classic scenes. I think you get everything from part one and then if you really loved it, you'll go back and watch part two and three. So had to put Back to the Future at number four. All right, we're going to get a little bit controversial now in what I put at number three. And I'm going with the original Star Wars trilogy, episode four, five, and six. And why I think this works is because the entire Star Wars saga is basically given to you in trilogies. The original trilogy... Episode 1, 2, and 3, which came out in the 2000s. And then you had the latest three installments in the 2010s. And I think all of these movies were meant to be trilogies. That's how they are delivered to us. You basically have all the same characters and settings within these trilogies. And I think they all have this unique little slice of the Star Wars story that I believe they all exist kind of in their own little slot. So I put the original ones at number three because i think that's really what started it all obviously they did and just looking at the numbers on this one mainly when it comes to box office looking at their critic scores a new hope has 92 percent and then we go up to 94 percent and then down to 82 percent throughout the first three now for me personally i think a new hope is the best star wars movie of all time not only in this trilogy but i think of all time and it's mainly because you're just placed in this world of star wars like for me and probably everybody else now we kind of already knew the Star Wars story even before we watched the movies. I can only imagine when going to the theater to experience for the first time and just being dropped into this world. Like hearing all the conversations in the movie of them talking about the Clone Wars and all these characters that you have no idea about, but you're totally in and invested in this movie because it's so crazy and unique. I think that's amazing within itself. I think for most people, and even critically, The Empire Strikes Back is arguably the best Star Wars movie. And I wouldn't even argue with you if that was your favorite, but just for me, 
I like where they created the entire world. You're just in it right away. And seeing all these iconic characters for the very first time, I think to me, makes for a better movie. And I would give this Star Wars trilogy an overall entertainment score of 4.5. They're fun to watch. They're not terribly long. Some of the technology, I would argue, is a little bit dated looking back. But also the remastered versions, I think they do a pretty good job of making them look a little bit more modern. If you can get past some of the special effects, I think they use a lot of animatronics and less CGI in this that it really makes it look, even though not like it was made today, it still looks a little bit futuristic. All right, number two in the trilogy list. Now, I said that I did this all by numbers. I wanted to look at just by the numbers and by a little bit of what you guys said online is how I would define this list. And if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you've probably heard me say that I'm not the biggest fan of the Lord of the Rings movies. I've seen them all. Overall, they're just not my favorite. I never really got into them aside from maybe the first one. I think when I watched it, I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Let me see what the rest of them are about. But I feel like it would be wrong of me not to include them on this list, mainly because this was probably the one I saw the most comments about the most tweets about and the most messages about because the lord of the rings really have this place in people's hearts that even though i don't get i will recognize them mainly because what they have done is a trilogy that no one has really ever done before and will probably never do again when you look at peter jackson and just the amount of work he put into these and not only that how much they're loved by people but how much critical acclaim they got out of all these franchises in this list, they have 17 Oscars, which is unheard of. The second Lord of the Rings did something that very few movies do. And when there's a sequel, it's very hard for them to not only be nominated for an Oscar, but to win an Oscar. Like, that's an incredible feat because the Oscars are so picky about having every movie be like a original movie not be a sequel, be a novel premise, a novel concept. And for them to win an Oscar on a sequel unheard of and to overall have 17 oscars across the board that's amazing i'll say it that, that's amazing in itself and the critic scores from part one you have 91 percent. part two a 95 percent, and then part three has a 93 percent. now where this one takes a bit of a peg down is i would give it an overall entertainment score of a solid three like that's where i think i put my influence on this is i don't think they're that entertaining and i'm all for big epic sci-fi adventures but there's just something about this story that didn't really resonate with me and after the first one i didn't really care to watch two or three i felt like it's a lot of just walking so we'll leave it at that before i get to number one let's throw out some honorable mentions other trilogies of note you have the hangover which basically took the first one and made it again and again you also have the Mighty Ducks, the original Spider-Man trilogy, the Born Identity movies, the Austin Power movies, which I think they should have stopped at two. Goldmember was a terrible movie, not funny whatsoever. And it's just amazing how popular those movies were for a period of time with such a ridiculous concept. I'm surprised they made three of those movies. You also have How to Train Your Dragon, which I think is an underrated animated franchise. I saw a lot of people mention Pitch Perfect and High School Musical. Not a fan of those myself, but I'll give it an honorable mention. And then the one I saw a lot of you guys send in was Toy Story. And I think people forgot that they made a Toy Story 4. Again, another franchise that probably should have stopped at 3. Part 3 was such a great ending and such an emotional piece in the entire Toy Story franchise. They should have ended it at 3. I felt like not a whole lot happened in 4. 
But that is a movie franchise that should have stopped at three. And we even have some movies coming out now that would have been trilogies and probably made this list. But there's a fourth movie in the works about to drop. So I didn't feel right including them. Those would be The Matrix, which has a part four coming out. John Wick, which has a part four coming out, also with Keanu Reeves. And then The Planet of the Apes rebooted franchise that started back in 2011. Really great movies. I think my favorite of all the Planet of the Apes movies, but they're about to have a fourth one. So I couldn't really put that in as a trilogy. And then, of course, my favorite, the Jackass movies, which Jackass 4 is about to drop later this year. So those are some honorable mentions. But now let's talk about what I put at number one, which I feel was neck and neck with what I saw the response with online. And I think what really kind of sets this one apart from all the other movies is the entertainment score. But not only that, as I hear more and more people rate one of the movies in this trilogy to be their favorite movie of all time. And it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I would put this movie at number one. And if you haven't guessed it by now, it is the Dark Knight franchise by Christopher Nolan. Easily the best movie here is the Dark Knight. In a rare occasion in which the first one in this trilogy was not the best movie. I think Batman Begins was essential in setting the stage for the Dark Knight, but it's really not my favorite. And I'm a little bit surprised how successful parts two and three were being that part one wasn't the biggest hit. But what I really loved is they were able to see Christopher Nolan's vision for this entire franchise. Like he had a plan of the way this whole thing was going to play out. And that Batman Begins was essential. It set the tone for, you know, the darker, more realistic superhero story, which hadn't been done before. You take away the kind of less comic booky out of this world kind of villain and you put him into somebody that could actually do something like this. And then you get to The Dark Knight and you're like, man, this isn't just a great superhero comic book movie. It's just a great movie all around. Like that movie was nominated for two Oscars, something that had never really done before with a superhero movie. Really kind of took away that line of between people not taking comic book movies seriously. And it was mainly for the performances. Heath Ledger alone really put that movie on the map and made people consider it differently. And then Christian Bale's Batman. In our minds, I think that's just who we accepted as Batman. And by critic scores, you have Batman Begins at an 84%, The Dark Knight at a 94%, and The Dark Knight Rises dropped down a bit at 87% and also failed to receive any Oscar nominations. But I thought The Dark Knight Rises was a really great ending to this trilogy. I thought that movie was really well done all the way up until about the ending. I think it fell a little bit flat there, kind of resolving the story of batman and we didn't really see or get the satisfaction that, that we were wanting in this i really enjoyed it and thought it was a great follow-up to the dark knight i think that movie also just kind of struggled with not having heath ledger around anymore and not have him a part of that movie at all to where he was such a highlight of the dark knight i think people gave it kind of it didn't really have the benefit of the doubt of it not living up to that so it's just a hard movie to follow up but i thought they did it pretty well and overall, out of all these trilogies, this is the one I come back to a lot. I can watch The Dark Knight no matter what time it's on TV, and then I'll go back and watch The Dark Knight Rises even now. To me, these have an overall entertainment score of a five. Like when I think about watching the most entertaining movie and story arc play out over three movies, I think you get it here. And you can really watch any one of these movies and enjoy it. And if there was a trilogy you think I missed out on, well, just let me know. You can always send me an email, moviemikeD at gmail.com or tweet me. Hit me up on Instagram at MikeDistro. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, 
we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have a, one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And speaking of trilogies, let's get into a movie review now talking about The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, which is available on HBO Max and also in theaters now. I love The Conjuring. I love a movie that can really make me scared which is a rare thing for me and the whole conjuring universe is hit or miss i would say so i was excited for this movie i sat down to watch it we'll tell you what i think and also where it ranks in the entire conjuring universe but before we get into that here's just a little bit of the trailer i think i hurt someone in 1981 arnie johnson pled not guilty we think this family was cursed possession i am not going before a grand jury and saying he was possessed by demons so without ruining this movie let's break it down we have ed and lorraine warren back for another demonic adventure to put it simply and in this one they're trying to investigate a murder that was basically linked to a demonic possession the very start of this movie it's a kid who's been possessed and they're trying to perform an exorcism in this house and while the exorcism is going down the kid's basically going off the walls and i thought it was a pretty chilling set and a pretty good intro to this movie to where they're trying to save this kid and then his brother kind of steps up and starts talking to the demon and asks him sacrifices himself of like hey take me instead of my brother 
And that's kind of where the movie starts. You see the kid is okay, and the demon basically leeches on now to the older brother in his place. That's the opening of this movie. And then you get into the life of this guy. He's going along, and the demon kind of shows itself and causes him to kill somebody. And the entire movie is him on trial. And then the movie plays out with him on trial and Ed and Lorraine trying to prove the existence of Satan and use the defense that he was possessed while committing this murder and cannot be charged with murder. That's the whole kind of plot of this movie. Now, what I liked about it, I think the introduction to this was pretty good. Like, I kind of felt scared. The first, you know, opening scene of the movie and I was kind of like, okay, this is it. Like, this is going to make me scared again. I thought it kind of fell a little bit flat with The Conjuring 2. And I felt like they were going to go full on more horror and just scary demonic presence that I was in. There was a lot of great special effects in the opening intro. The kid was insanely scary to me. I was watching this in the dark and felt a little bit like I needed to turn on a light. But then after that opening sequence, I felt the movie took a little bit of a turn. And throughout the entire movie, it just felt like this big kind of supernatural battle and a lot less set in reality, which I think is what made the first one so great. Within the first movie, you kind of experienced this whole possession with the family and it had time to build and breathe. And you're having all these paranormal things and these demonic creatures kind of play out and show their face a little by little, which really leads to the overall growing and raising tensions of finally seeing the entire thing play out in the final battle. I didn't really get that in this one. It was all just kind of sporadic and I wasn't really invested in watching how the story was going to play out. And I didn't really feel like this movie had an identity. Unlike the first one, I could feel like the coldness of that movie. I could feel the tone in that movie that was really different. And I think why that one was really considered now to be a classic horror movie. It did it so well. Was it because that one was directed by James Wan and this one was not? I think that also has a little bit to do with it. And maybe they were like, you know what? We have this franchise kind of established now. We could go with a different director. We don't need him. But I think watching this movie, you kind of realize you do because it doesn't have that same feeling. It doesn't give me that kind of haunted feeling like the first one did. It almost just feels like a heavy metal music video. I almost felt like I was watching like a Slipknot music video play out with the images shown in this movie. Yes, they look scary, but it didn't make me scared. There's a great difference there. You can present a demonic creature that looks visually scary, but if you don't build that tension, if there's not a reason to be scared, it's nothing. It's just a creepy thing on the screen. Some of the best parts and scariest movies were just little glimpses of a monster and the overall building tension of that. Take it back to another James Wan movie of Insidious, which I think was kind of the predecessor of all the Conjuring movies. There's a scene in that movie where you just get a little glimpse of a demonic figure, and it's the scariest part of the entire movie. It's because of all the things leading up to that moment. Now, if you take what they did in this Conjuring movie, it's just kind of thrown all over the place, and it really begins to mean nothing. But not only that, I feel like not a lot happens in this movie. For the entire middle of the movie, I feel like it's kind of jumping around, and they're kind of going back and forth on the plot of what's actually happening and developing on. And then I feel like everything is kind of rushed towards the end to finish the movie. Didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but... But overall, I felt like this movie lacked identity and really didn't set in the entire Conjuring universe. It didn't really have a place because even the main characters of Ed and Lorraine, which I think are a great couple, Lorraine in this movie doesn't really feel like a real person. She almost feels like a superhero with her powers like that hadn't really been established before. It just kind of goes off into its own whole world. 
And the whole kind of thing behind this movie is that it's based on a true story, which I looked up and, you know, really a lot of it is stretched. Like the truth of it is really stretched a little bit. Did the person in this actually kill somebody and claim to be possessed? Mm, Sort of. Was the trial as public and as well covered as they made it seem? Not really. I think they really kind of bent the facts a little bit, starting with, you know, the original story of that 12 year old boy really being possessed. That really happened. And then his brother having these demonic visions and him actually killing somebody that really happened. But everything else in the movie was just for the movie. And they're really kind of playing off that based on a true story to make you think this is more scary than it actually is. It's really just another horror movie with a little glimpse of truth. And they even at the very end, not ruining it, but they actually show like some real footage of Ed and Lorraine wasn't enough for me. And knowing what I know now about that. To really think a lot of this stuff happened in any of this aspect, which I think is fine. You can stretch the truth. That's what a movie is. You have to make it entertaining. But I think there's also a line to be played here. If you're going to go so far out and make it so kind of scary and off the wall, you got to make me want to believe it and want to be invested in that. I don't think this movie did that. If I had to rate it, I would give it two out of five demons. And if I had to rank this with the other movies in the Conjuring universe, I would probably put it right in the middle. And that maybe seems like, oh, you just said it wasn't that great, but you put it right in the middle. That's because some of the other Conjuring movies in the franchise aren't that great. The first Annabelle, why well, would put it at the very bottom? I would easily go with The Conjuring, the original one from 2013, at number one. I'd probably put Annabelle Creation, which was her origin story, at number two. And then I would probably put The Conjuring 2 from 2016, which was also directed by James Wan. I think that one still didn't live up to my expectations, but it still felt more like what The Conjuring movie was about and still kind of embody those elements. It just was kind of cramming too much into one movie, in my opinion. And then I would probably put Annabelle Comes Home from 2019. Then The Devil Made Me Do It. And then all the other ones like The Nun, The Curse of the Yorona, and then the final Annabelle. Which I think aside from the top three, you don't really need to watch. If you're really into the Annabelle one, Annabelle Comes Home is a little bit better. But I would say if you're going to hop into this franchise, just watch The Conjuring, The Conjuring 2, and Annabelle Creation. And you're pretty set on these movies. All right, and Kelsey is here now. How are you? I'm good. Tired? I am tired. We have had a staycation weekend, which we'll talk about in just a second. I'm more uh, tired from Costco. <laughs> oh, Costco. it's been a Sunday. Um, but before we get into that, there's only really one piece of movie news I want to talk about, and it's the trailer for Ryan Reynolds' new movie called Free Guy. If you haven't seen that yet, here's just a little bit of that trailer. I know this world is just a game, but this place, these people, that's all I have. So I'm not going to be the good guy. Thanks, guy. I'm going to be the great guy. Well, enjoy your lifetime supply of virginity. Off you go. This whole good guy routine is ruining the game. Terminator. It's the first time I've ever driven a car before. I really wish you'd mention that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that movie actually looks pretty good. It's Ryan Reynolds who discovers that he is actually like a background character in a video game. He plays like a bank teller who just goes about his normal life and then decides to save the world inside this video game which I think is pretty interesting for him to do, mainly because I feel like I always kind of see him as Deadpool now, and I feel like Ryan Reynolds has kind of like, he's on the verge of always being the same character in every single movie. So I think this one kind of lends itself to him doing it well, and he doesn't have to be the kind of raunchy Deadpool character anymore. He could kind of be the more likable Ryan Reynolds. So I think this 
one looks fun, and it's a movie that I want to wait to see in theaters. So I'm down for that. Are you down for that? Sure. <laughs> Any movie theater, right? Yes. So we've been married for a week now. We have. How do you feel? Married. Married? <laughs> what? Is it just like a relief now that we don't have to do any kind of wedding planning anymore and it's all like that's been done? I like the I like the we you threw in there. Oh, the you. Uh-huh. The all the planning you did. I like the we, yeah. But it was pulled off. We did it. We had a lot of fun. We did. It was successful. And we, it didn't rain. It did not rain. So I've got to talk about the moments I liked and had the most fun at our wedding you haven't had a chance to talk about it. What was kind of your favorite part of the whole thing? The reception, like when just everyone was on the dance floor, just having fun. It was just cool to get to like see all of our friends again. It was like people we hadn't seen. Like a lot of our fl- friends flew in from out of state, which was really awesome. We hadn't seen anyone in like over a year. And it was everybody like kind of the first time everybody got to party like in forever. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was celebratory. It was fun. It was fun. And I think for me, the thing that was kind of, I had nerves and I felt lightheaded before we had it. It was just weird to have an event to where there's people coming. Yeah, you don't like being the center of attention. And they're going to be there. Well, I mean, I feel like it was more focused on you than anything. I felt like I was just, I didn't have a whole lot to worry about in that kind of department. But it's just the idea of people coming for us that made me feel weird. I wasn't even worried. Were you nervous before? Not really. See, I was super nervous. I guess kind of. I mean, at that point, I was like, let's just get the show on the road. Yeah, let's let's do the thing. And now we've been married a week. We just had not our honeymoon, which I found a lot of people like I wasn't expecting people to ask what we were going to do afterwards. But I guess that's the thing you ask. And we decided to wait to go on a honeymoon later. Yeah, we had to come back to real life and then come back to real life, which I think I liked it that way. We got to come back and enjoy and kind of live back in the kind of what just happened and enjoy that little piece and not have to rush and go away and be relaxed all of a sudden. Yeah. And just because we had to travel home for our wedding, like it was nice to not do like double travel, like travel just exhausts. It, like it was nice to not have to go to like Austin and then go somewhere else for our honeymoon. Like it was, we just came back home and just settled back into life. And we worked here for a week and then had our, mini moon staycation here in nashville which if you've never been to nashville or planning a trip to nashville i felt like we got to experience the city as tourists like we both at one point kind of forgot that we were like in yeah. the city we live in i think anybody should do this no matter what city you live in if you can have if you don't want to go on a trip and you just want to do a staycation you have to get a hotel first of all yeah it's not the same if you like go home yeah because i think that's really the way we kind of lost ourselves in the weekend is like our home base was the hotel and not coming home. Yeah, there was somebody behind us like we were waiting to cross the street and I heard them talking about what time they get, should get to the airport to leave. And I almost looked at you and was like, what time should we get to the airport? And then I was like, wait, oh, we don't need to go. Our to car airport. is here. We're our good. car is here. <laughs> so I think that's one important aspect to it. And then also just treat it like it is a vacation. Yeah. Like your same mentality that you would have on vacation. Go in with that. Like, all right, we're going to spend this amount. We're going to do these things. We're going to go out and do things and then also come back to relax a little bit. Perks of a staycation, though. You can go shopping and not have to worry about whether or not it fits in your suitcase. That's true. (laughs) You can just take it all home. And we did go shopping. And then you don't have that added stress at the end of it of like, okay, we got to go check in to our flight. We have to catch a Uber to the airport. And we came home and went to Costco. I know. (laughs) Which... 
Yeah, so I really enjoyed a staycation, and I think Nashville is a pretty great place to pick if you're, well, if you already live here, but if you come to vacation, there's some fun things you can do too. We were in a really touristy spot though, which got kind of annoying because of the amount of like party buses, barges. Yes, like, those are intense. Those are the hot tub one. Yeah. We saw one. I'm just going to put this out there. It's a like a bus, truck, whatever you want to call it, popular with bachelorette parties, but there's a hot tub in the back of it. And I just have a lot of questions about how that's maintained. Yeah, or if there's any kind of like water Sanitation. Because <laughs> how all these things started, if you've never been to Nashville, I think it started with the Pedal Tavern, which is a, a big mobile bar that you get on and you, you're pedaling while you're drinking. Which they have Pedal Taverns in a lot of cities. They have them in Austin. They're just not as prevalent there as they are here but with here it's because there's so many bachelorette parties and bachelor parties that people come want to do the pedal taverns and i think somebody had the idea of like let's take it a step further and turn it into a party barge or turn it into a tractor pulling a a trailer and everybody drinks on it so there's a lot of elaborate and they just all have like strange names yes but the hot tub one is probably the most hot tub one's bad (laughs) so we did that and later in the summer we're going to go to what city is it again in Arizona? Scottsdale. Scottsdale, where it's nice and hot, which yeah, we, we, did, we didn't think about. We did not think of that. We booked it, and then I was like, I love adding cities to my weather app, which is super nerdy, but of like places we're going. It's June. Mm-hmm. Scottsdale is already up to like 117 some days. I was like, hmm, no wonder flights and stay were cheap. Yeah, because it's going to be very hot. But I, I'm excited for it. I think the heat will be fine because we're going to relax just put me by a pool with a pitcher of margaritas. As long as you don't have to like run errands in the heat, I think I can take it on. I can handle it. So for you, you, I'm getting used to wearing a wedding band. Oh yeah, yeah. I currently don't have mine on. You don't have I'm just cleaning. I take them off and I'm cleaning. But you have the added one. Does that feel any different? It does. It's weird to put like two on. And I'm one of those weird people. I know some people leave theirs on all the time, but I like can't sleep in it i don't shower in it because i'm super just like accident prone and i can just see me like coming out of the bathroom and being like so can we pull my ring out of the drain um but yes it is weird to get used to two of them but i like it it looks great together what about our new titles is that weird to you have calling me your husband and being somebody's wife yeah it's weird just like changing my last name is strange too. Like somebody asked me for my, we were going to brunch and I put my name down and they asked for my first initial of my last name. And I don't even know what I said. It was like seven words at once. (laughs) I like gave them my last old initial. Then I gave them like our full last name. Then I gave them a letter. I was like, sorry, I'm still getting used to this. It is. Yeah. I think that part is weird because I was just getting used to calling you my fiance, but now it's like wife. Yeah. It's strange. We feel like, I described it as, I remember the feeling when I got my first tattoo or my only tattoo, it felt very permanent. Yeah. I think that's what it feels like now. And it also feels like, I think you were saying this, is we don't have to worry about having a person to do things with anymore. Yeah, it's nice. You have like a built-in best friend. You're like, hey, you want to go run errands with me? Want to go to the movies? Let's go to dinner. I think that was the thing for me. Like always like, I'm going to do everything and I'm going to do it alone. And now I no longer have to. And it. It takes away a lot of the sadness, I would say, that I used to have. Except for scary movies. You're still on your own for I'll that. I'll still go those alone. Anything else about our wedding or now being married that you you think you should mention? I can't think of anything. I just feel like we're like already in 
like an old married couple. <laughs> well, I think beforehand, neither of us were very, I mean, you're more outgoing than I am, but I don't think we're going to like completely change to go and being something completely different. I would agree. There we go. And we live together already. So yeah, that helped a lot. It did help a lot. We know a lot about each other going into it. No real big surprises. So I'm annoyed with each other, but I think it's just marriage. <laughs> it is marriage. It's welcome to it. Well, I'm happy to be your now husband. I'm excited that we have started our life together and that not only do I have a built in best friend, but a go to co host whenever I need one. That you do. Um, also, shout out um, for this podcast. I want to give a shout out to our friend from the Roosevelt's who we took a picture on our staycation and the shirt. That you don't really like me wearing. Okay, no, 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 because you're going to make me sound like I'm terrible. It's not that I don't like you, like, not that I don't like the shirt. It just, we were getting dressed up for dinner. I put on like a dress and wedges and you come out in like a Rocco's Modern Life shirt. Yes. Well, we just have different ideas, but that's fine. You got a lot of compliments on it. Somebody told me you were a keeper because you wore that. It is a very bold shirt. You also wore a Rugrat shirt all day. So you just like really inundated me with the Nickelodeon all day. But you know what? It was a Nickelodeon Saturday. (laughs) Honestly, not the weirdest thing you've ever worn. Your hair used to be purple, red, blue. I don't really care at this point. Well, if you're looking for a very bold shirt, they have a lot of not only cool TV shows, but they also have a lot of movie t-shirts and like regular, well, their trademark shirts are like the button up shirts with like big print designs that are really cool. So if you're looking for something for yourself from one of your favorite movies, or maybe you have to buy like a Father's Day gift or a birthday gift. I think they're excellent for that. I think what I like the most about it is they're very like breathable and stretchy, which I thought it was going to be like in the middle of summer, very hot and sweaty. That's because you sweat a lot. I do sweat a lot. So it's perfect for that too. So if you want to check them out, uh, you can go to my Instagram page and I tag them. They're called the Roosevelt's though. And if you're in Texas, they're sold in Bucky's. Oh yeah, Bucky's, which we are getting one in Tennessee now. Which we need a road trip just for that. For some beaver nuggets. That's what they're called, right? That is what they're called, but I'm looking because you're never gonna eat a beaver nugget. I don't think those are <laughs> vegan in any way, shape, or form. Well, you can get some snacks. I'll go to the bathroom. Perfect. All right, well, thanks everybody for listening to the podcast this week. Thanks for being subscribed. If you don't mind and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, hit that five-star rating and write a quick little review. And until next week, later. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from The Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. 
And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.